work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. I think that means that like in a concert that uh, you're about to go on stage, so that's why we say that. That's right. I feel like I need to say that because house lights down are like three words that mean nothing to me. But <laughs> anyway, here we are. Word salad. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, where I, Emily Anger, um, get to dig down into the brain of my husband, Jim Anger, who's sitting right in front of me. Hello, Jim. Hello. <laughs> you just went on a run, so I'm very distracted because like a drop <laughs> of sweat just dripped down your nose. Yeah, this is this this is by far the sweatiest podcast that we've ever been doing. It's my homage to Bruce Springsteen, who uh, sweats through his shirt every night Does he in really? concert. Is oh, he yeah. like gross sweaty? Oh yeah, I, I mean, not. I don't think it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, very Bruce, if you're listening, um, there's differing opinions on this subject, but you know that's kind of how it is. Thanks, boss. When was the last concert you went to? The uh, last concert was The Killers with Josiah a couple, oh, that's couple right. weeks ago. Watching, yeah, I've been getting back in the, the habit. Band. Southside um, Johnny before that. And the house lights do, like, are they genuinely, like, on and then they tr- they go down, the yeah. house lights? So, like, people are just talking and mingling and right. then and all then, of a sudden. Yeah, when the house lights go down and all you have is the lights on the stage. And maybe there's, like, PA music going on, too. So it's the house lights are up just have this background music going but then house lights go down background music goes off you look at the stage the only thing lit in the whole building and you are locked in oh and that's you dripping with sweat already before you even begin right that's <laughs> i don't know if that's like a good picture or Zero bad to picture for our audience but here we go <laughs> the house lights are down the focus is in on uh, my husband again mm-hmm. um and we get to dig deep into like what was going on in your sermon this past week yes um and you kind of like laid out for the congregation kind of a um a what you were hoping from this podcast do you want to try taking a stab at that again yeah so what we're trying to do with this whole crazy podcast thing is we want to stretch the sermon throughout the week so earlier on ministry iterations of yours truly it was just my half hour spot on sunday morning hope you could be there to watch listen or not that it's a concert just to you know consume (laughs) But hopefully be discipled by the scriptures and then see you next Sunday. But as we consume content as human beings with screens, as I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later, thinking about how to keep the percolation going as you hear a sermon on Sunday, but then you keep cogitating, you keep going back to it. Maybe you listen to a podcast about it. Maybe you email in to postsundayblues at gmail.com so that you can continue to weigh the scriptures and take them into your life, heart, and habits. Right. I think that is a good challenge. I think that a lot of us, myself included, like what is right in front of you is what you're thinking about. Right. A lot of times, not always, but um, I think it's good to be kind of simmering in in God's word and the concepts of um, truth and scripture. Um, so yeah. I, like, I like this concept. I like being able to sit across from 
you and even if it's just me and you who are who are talking through this podcast uh even if we have zero listeners which it's not you're such an eeyore (laughs) that's a that's a compliment you know (laughs) many people identify from enneagram three to an enneagram four yes anyway but uh we'll move on to sec to to stop with the house lights down we've my the focus is clear now uh Mm. to section two call it stormy monday um on this stormy tuesday um it's not really that stormy at this well there were literal moment. storms there were last, last night, night. Uh, yeah. woken up right by storms and, and my crying children, children. Yep. she was very sad so i yeah if i am missing words today it's that's the reason yeah <laughs> either that or so far so good baby my just absence of being able to come up with words but <laughs> enough about me um for you like what were you what was on your heart this week as you were starting to prepare the sermon things that jim has been thinking about increasingly uh, going back to the, f- the sixers. yes the sick the, the sixers the ben simmons joel Embiid, mayor of philadelphia uh, the eagles losing sixers lost their first preseason game sands ben simmons last night as well as without a lot of other players we're in the wrong so. podcast again i'm i'm in the wrong sports fandom genre (laughs) it's really hard being a philadelphia sports fan but i keep coming back for more and being a philadelphia sports fan is one of the ways in which my identity is formed so thinking about how we become who we become and who we are shapes what we do eric mitchell our executive pastor and you're a home meeting leader this year. Thank you once again for you. You wear many you're hats welcome. at Liberty Church, Collingswood. Uh, I'm burning them all. So you received, I don't even know <laughs> what that don't means. like hats. <laughs> okay. The, you wear many fedoras at Liberty Especially Church. Especially not fedoras. The, I'm really anti-fedora. Well, that, that's one side of the podcast table, not not both sides. But Eric, when he sent out a discussion guide to the first home meeting that's going to occur within the next couple of weeks for all of our different groups, talked about how Christian obedience is not simply a function of doing the right obedient thing in a singular moment of time. How we obey at a deeper level what we do and don't do comes from who whom we've been formed to be. And so our rhythms, our habits, what we listen to, what we consume, what we do with all of those things creates a foundation more deeply by which we act in certain ways. And part of the rationale of the podcast, again, is that identity formation happens all the time. And we mentioned already, and we'll talk about again, in Mudding the Waters, this whole thing about being discipled by screens and media, for example, mm-hmm. sure. uh, constantly. Uh, not me. Let's be, <laughs> not <laughs> not you, other people. I'm just kidding. The, how... How are we shaped by what's around us? And then thinking also, how might we be shaped by the story of creation in Genesis chapter 1? How does Genesis 1 relate to identity formation? Okay, so I kind of get that conceptually where I feel the resonance of some of it. But just to flesh it out a little bit more for you, like specifically, Mm -hmm. um, one of the questions here is like, what was God doing in you this past week? as it relates to the sermon. So like, Hmm. what are the things that you, uh, as you, if you're thinking about identity formation and the tugs and pulls of different things, like what are the things that are tugging and pulling at you aside from 
Yeah, for identity example, Christ. that's a good question. Uh, I'm a, I don't know. Do you do you think I'm a Type A personality? That's I I paused for a long time because I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't. You know, I think that you are, but you do not always appear to be. But that is actually just a appearance and underneath you are kind of type a but then the, I, yeah same could be said of me probably about some things i think that some people mm-hmm. some of our closest friends both you and me i think would think that we're type b or but but right. they actually are wrong then sometimes I, yeah anyway what do you think what are so you <laughs> I, I think i'm the best of all possible worlds i'm this really mellow chill cool type a guy Super chill with so your fedora there we go but yeah, no, I am a type A personality and my my life is really, really hyper-scheduled in terms of what I think that I need to be do be doing during work hours or something. And when uh, schedules get messed up or things don't go my way and I have to add extra time and extra effort in directions that I hadn't budgeted for, I can get really frustrated. And for example, last week, finding myself at a couple different points of frustration, I can either be angry towards the people that are causing my day not to go the way that I want it to go, or I can be a person of forgiveness and grace towards those other people. And as this relates to identity formation, say I'm listening to podcasts or consuming media that's really angry and belligerent about one thing or another. So like all of the Philadelphia sports. Right. That's, <laughs> yeah. Well, but yes. So yeah. so so I could be listening to a really angry podcast about the Eagles, for example. I don't know why anybody would be angry about the City of the Eagles right now. But I can let that anger bleed in at a deeper level to my heart and soul. And then I'm actually spewing out that anger in situations and towards people that are completely unrelated to the Philadelphia football team. That's, yeah, hmm, that's interesting. I mean, I guess we'll come to this later again yeah. as we unpack the screens or how we're identities right. are formed. But, yeah, thanks for the, like, um, the insight into practical, practical you. You are practical. welcome. <laughs> Am I, though? <laughs> Let's move on to Sun Studios as we think about um, the presence of the Lord, the, mm-hmm. the space where scripture was speaking to you. And um, I really liked this framing of how you framed Genesis to make it uh, fresh for us as you um, laid out the okay. story of the mayor of Philadelphia. Right. Joel Embiid. Joel Hans he Embiid. Does. Like, I, I would vote for him for mayor. No, totally. <laughs> and then connecting him to... Um, a speech by uh, Mark Anthony. Anthony, um, right? I think that that concept of he's from South Philly. Mark Anthony <laughs> of saying Sopranos extra things that saying things without saying them, um, and what the scripture was doing. That that was like yeah, very much of a interesting frame for me. Tell me more about um, how you how you came about thinking about it. That yes, way. so. I'll mention three people, Embiid, then Mark Antony, then a writer named Tim Park. So Ben Simmons is in a contract holdout. We don't need to get into that because it'll just depress me and make me angry. I don't want my habit to be formed by Ben Simmons right now. Get off my lawn, Ben Simmons. 
So Joel Embiid gave a press conference being asked about how Ben Simmons, through his agent, is saying that he's done playing in Philadelphia. He needs a team built around him and not around Joel Embiid. So on the surface, Embiid kept talking about how he wants Ben Simmons back and and we really have a great relationship here. We have a lot of wins. It's been going great. But then at the same time, Embiid very expertly actually deconstructed the points that the agents were making about this team not having been already bent towards Ben Simmons' completely crazy and wacky set of skills and non-skills. So Embiid was saying one thing to say another, very, very skillfully, as was the Joel Embiid of the Renaissance period, William Shakespeare, who and Julius Caesar had Mark Antony's funeral speech. You can go to the spot in the Foro Romano, the Rostra, where Mark Antony after Caesar was assassinated, supposedly is just trying to get people to stop worrying, like get worked up about the assassination plot against Caesar. Let's just get on board with Brutus. But the more he talks, the more it sounds like he's actually pro-Caesar in some subtle ways. So Brutus is the honorable man. Caesar is ambitious. I'm trying to get the connection between Joel Embiid and Shakespeare. Let me catch up to you. <laughs> Brilliance. That's the common denominator. Okay. Go on, go on. <laughs> right. So Mark Antony supposedly is giving a pro-Brutus speech, but is saying one thing to say another about actually we need to be pro-Caesar in the in this moment. And I think that's what's going on in this Genesis passage too. One, one other example. So last night, Em, I started reading a book called A Literary Tour of Italy by a man named... Sounds very magical. Named Tim Tim Parks. Things Mm. that I do on my day off. Literary Tour of Italy. And so what it is, is starting with Dante, and this is an American expat who's lived in Italy since the early 80s. done a lot of translation of Italian novels into English, and chapter by chapter, he just talks about some of his favorite Italian authors. Doesn't that sound delicious? (laughs) I know, seriously. So Parks in the introduction talks about how, and I think during my sabbatical, I read a book by him called Where We're Reading From, kind of notes from a reader to other readers. Mm. He talks about how in this literary tour of Italy, he's holding off on commenting here about more recent Italian novels. And his point is, talks about it in the previous book that I read by him too, modern Italian novels are less Italian because they're written with an international audience in mind. Apparently Mm -hmm. in Italian bookstores, for books in Italian, 70% of them have been translated into English. And for Italian publishers trying to find the next great set of Italian artists, those Italian artists and writers are actually already beginning to translate their novels, even though they're writing in Italian, rubbing off the rough edges or the less comprehensible parts of what it means to live in Italy so that it can have more play and be in conversation with people that are not already Italian. I mean, what's wrong with that? Like English as the main language, right, of the world? (laughs) Sure. So... Gino's Steaks, no, I, all the way. I there mean, we Gino's go. Steaks is Italian. <laughs> that, that's not the connection that I was making there. But. Okay, sorry. Right, so so Parks observes, and he's putting it in a negative. So with you know, Elena Ferrante, Roberto Savino, they're, they're already explaining Italy in conversation with other cultural groups. So if Parks was 
meaning that in a negative way, he likes some of these modern Italian novels less because they're less Italian. I think in a neutral or positive way, over the past hundred years or so, maybe more, there's just this increasing awareness as you look at the book of Genesis that it's in conversation with all of these other creation stories that are current in the ancient Near East. And so placid texts, God's creating days four through six, filling the heavens and earth with all these teeming creatures. It, it looks pretty straightforward, but, but actually, it's actually... there's some teeth. There's, right. It is a text with teeth. Yeah. And it's one of those things where... You know, I think it's get it's settled scholarship. So I I don't believe that I'm going out on a limb when I'm treating Genesis this way. Right. But if you're not on board with that perspective on Genesis, then these sermons are going to be pretty difficult or sure. obtuse. Right. But they're like just yeah. So to clarify, you're not saying that this is your idea and you're you're reading in the, the right teeth the sarcasm not sarcasm but like the um the the message behind the message. Right. It's the- actually actually present. Don't shoot the messenger. That's true. So in terms of content, there's one piece of presence in the Lord. Thank you, Helen Wolf Scott, by way of content. A couple of quick things by way of construction as well. So the sermon intro, and thank you for saying that you like the Joel Embiid and the Mark Antony intro. What I didn't like about the intro, and this is a little bit of inside baseball, to me, the best sermon introductions take you all the way to the end of the sermon, and there's a through line. This introduction only brought brought us to unpacking the text itself without sure. going farther than that. But I wanted to really emphasize the fact that there is more going on under the surface right. of the book of Genesis chapter 1 here. And then the other thing, and did you have like a Nintendo or Atari growing up? I actually don't don't remember. Uh, you had com- I remember I you having computer had, games like Zork. Yeah, and- I don't think we did. Or we definitely didn't have like a modern game console. I feel like maybe at some point we had an Atari, but not for me, for my siblings. And I don't think that that really existed when I was growing up. I think it disappeared. Okay, well, we grew up at the same time, so they did. Ex- no, I mean, like, my pa- my brother's Atari, like, disappeared. I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Physical. Fair Physical enough. Atari. <laughs> right. So so with those old old game consoles with Atari and Nintendo, you had the, the game cartridges where you had Pac-Man, you had the horrible Atari 2600 Spider-Man game. The Superman game was better, but as a Marvel fan, I was always upset that even back then, Marvel was losing to DC, but no oh, yeah, more. even back then. The... <laughs> But you would have to switch out the cartridge to switch out the game. I actually switched out the cartridge as it relates to the fallen condition focus oh. of what this text is talking or, about. So that that if this is a text with teeth and the ancient context of Genesis chapter 1 is critiquing people whose gods and monsters were things like worshiping and being molded by sun, moon, and stars, being terrified of sea monsters right i actually one super early idea for the sermon was well like should i just critique people that are superstitious and like astrology I and mean, it that does it actually a thing it is people. yeah it, it is actually a thing but it doesn't seem didn't seem like a super it's probably presenting not a, a specific issue. thing for people in our your, your audience right probably. yeah so so it didn't seem contextually necessary to go in that direction but then what i did instead is i took out the cartridge of hey these things are not gods. These things are not dangerous. Sun, moon, and stars 
Leviathan sea creatures, so and I put another actual, cartridge the in there. Right. What are our gods and monsters? So, sure. yeah, moving to muddying the waters, if it's okay with sure. you. The, I'm that's, the host. I that's, the direction, that's the direction that I decided to take it. But yeah. there's nothing about money screens and self-image in genesis yeah Yeah. chapter one so that it's not ideal for sermons to have to switch out the cartridge but sure i mean it's always next sunday i see why like you were saying that the worldview of the time was being addressed by um the creation narrative that like our worldview right now Mm -hmm. some of the world's currently is involved in feeling like the celestial bodies are orchestrating lives on earth but um, if that's not Liberty Collingswood, then our idols, I definitely resonate with the idols that you listed as our current worldview and what we're struggling against. Yeah. So um, in muddying the waters and in the, that context, um, yeah, tell me more about these, these uh, monsters in our life. There, there be monsters. There be gods out there. So, yeah, thinking about if... In the ancient context of Genesis chapter 1, people are being overformed by worshiping and aligning themselves with celestial bodies, being terrified of sea monsters. What are those things for us? And could have chosen some others, but had to choose some things and not all things, so went with money. We can be overly controlled, either anxious or greedy or some combination about just needing needing enough cash. And then also screens, whether it's watching TV or Netflix or YouTube or TikTok or whatever. Yeah, I guess we were you told last night. By, well, <laughs> well, our our 15-year-old last night told us, yeah, Facebook and even Instagram, like nobody does those things Yeah, anymore. I mean, I didn't notice that it was down yesterday. No, t- genuinely, I didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. saw the headline today. I was like, oh, really? Like, yeah, no, he's he he totally is like the Yogi Bear. Like those platforms right. are so crowded, nobody does them anymore. So like like whatever screen or or platform or media consumption or news or entertainment, both that we're doing them and what we consume as we do them, really are formative to us. And then I've talked about this in a couple different ways in the sermons this fall. Uh, how we generate self-image and reputation. And I just tried to say that these are these are not gods. They're not dangerous, but they're for our good. So they're good, but not ultimate. And yeah, these things are not sinful in themselves, but we need to recognize, and this goes back to the identity formation piece, recognize how we're being formed by such things. Right. So, yeah, and you were talking a little bit about the, in the self-identity part or self-image part, um, you talked a little bit about the West perspective versus the East perspective and how, mm-hmm. I don't know, there there are certain things about um, our internal compasses that we, we feel like are just innately correct. But I guess it, like, in, upon deeper analysis, there are complications to our, our ideas of what good and bad are. I don't know. Yeah, and just how personhood comes to be personhood, how how we form it. So to stretch that image that you just used, Emma, a little bit longer, the, the compasses for personal identity formation are not fixed, but they change over time. And I don't think I'm too much going out on a limb here again to say that increasingly, if we're moving from a culture of what's right and what's wrong, and you know there are pros and cons to each of these, so I'm not saying that 
one you know set of compasses here is better than another. Uh, we're becoming more more Eastern in terms of of ethics, thinking about the Far East and otherwise. Where losing face and losing reputation before the people that we really care about, that is the ethical North and South, where whatever we can do to save face, to look better, to curate our lives in the right way, to have the right sort of identity alignments, that's, that, that's our life. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, the, the secular salvation idea right now. And I, I did try to, with that part too, cast this idea that it just doesn't deliver it's it's writing checks that it can't cash where there's this vicious cycle of saying that you need to form your identity completely from the ground up only by what you feel and don't let anybody take that away from you or say anything mean and nasty to you but we're not trying to build up resiliency in people so we're actually setting them out setting them up just to be hurt and so we're trying to minimize other voices that could possibly rattle anybody anytime but then the voices that feel like they're being silenced and they are really there are some really like nasty sure nasty voices out there and I'm trying to think of a couple of recent examples the if you don't think there are nasty voices out there so so this is not just like a knee-jerk conservative sort of reaction that I think I'm having here like why can't people just grow up and and have have thicker skin uh, you go go and Google around. I think I've mentioned before in podcast Kelly Marie Tran, the Asian American actress in the recent Star Wars movies, who who left Twitter. Who, you know, we can say in theory, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Like, try try living through thousands of people saying absolutely vile things about you wanting to take your own life because of your ethnicity. Like, like there are really horrible things out there, but there's a cycle of trying to silence, silence, silence. Then the voices get angrier and angrier, and then we get more and more hurt. But there's still this idea out there that if you just keep forming your identity this way, you're going to be a secure person, but we're actually more fragile and less free. Sure. <laughs> I tried to explain yeah, all of that. I yeah. don't know if that worked or not, but that was the goal. Right. And I, I kind of get it, except um, like just teasing it out again for yep. practical, uh, all things practical. Like, how do you do that? That's what they that? say about me. I am all things practical. <laughs> how do you do that when you're criticizing money screens and our proclivity towards our self-image mm-hmm. being um, shaped by um, other perceptions worldly or that forces sort of or whatever? Yeah. Um, with like the next section is bar band cover tunes and like you're you are mr pop culture uh-huh. uh, where you are going all the way from shakespeare who was you know like he was the epitome was of all faith uh christian faith i'm sure if he actually existed um mm-hmm. <laughs> but um like you referenced good omens which i would argue is probably not coming from a christian perspective uh, uses some of the furniture and rearranges yeah, and it. And as much as you're like despairing about the Eagles and Sixers and podcasts that make you angry, I mean, mm-hmm. you are listening to them. <laughs> so how does one actually walk in the world and enjoy the things of the world? We're enjoying the benefits of money every day. Right. Um, or like we are like you and I and our family are not like screen free. Um, our, our identities are are like being influenced by the world and it's not like we're just shutting ourselves in a box Mm -hmm. so how does that work right so that's a good question 
Em, you're basically <laughs> asking me, Jim, are you not simply wanting to have your cake and eat it too? Yeah, by kinda. by saying, don't don't be formed by all these things, but oh, Jim, aren't you so cool with all of these pop culture references? The answer to the latter question is yes, and for the former question, possibly. But let's go a little bit deeper because it is a good question. So I would say two different levels. One, it's not necessarily that we need to turn down the dials, not necessarily turn down the dials on money screens and self-image, but instead properly locate them better so that if there is, you know, if we're watching Good Omens and whatever else we're going to get to in the bar band cover tunes, just make sure that there is scripture going on at a deeper level. So I would say, I would say that's a part of it where, um, with a show like Good Omens or a book. So, you know, it, it takes some Christian ideas and, you know, but doesn't fully align with, with scripture. <laughs> and so, I mean, the, no, align. yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it, making, it, it definitely doesn't. It's of the Christian story. Right. I mean, we're enjoying it. And yes. like seeing John Draper as an angel, for example. Right. It's not a spoiler, right? Um, but the, the narrative is not Christian. It's using Christian. Yes. So what makes right. it okay to watch? So, so having, having hopefully a, a humble enough sense of self that it's okay for us to be made fun of and to, to poke fun a little bit, but then understand that at deeper levels, this is just a show and it's not scripture and it's not real. So being able to differentiate surface level pop culture as surface level pop culture, but, but not letting your whole world be formed and wrapped around it. And so when, you know, or take the good place, which is also, you know, watched and appreciated by most people. uh, I just haven't seen it. (laughs) And our family appreciate the show, but make sure that that's not forming your view of heaven and hell Mm -hmm. at the same time. And then also there are times where we genuinely do need to turn down the dials on things like money, screens, and self-image. I just threw out really quick at the end of the sermon, one of the practices of presence for the re-presence initiative that we're doing at Liberty Collingswood this year is we're going to spend a month in our small groups talking about fasting and feasting. Maybe, maybe there are seasons where we should either totally fast and or reduce screens and how do we keep each other accountable to not overconsume what's around us and then also fast from obsessing about money and grow in generosity so mm-hmm. yeah turning down the dial is an important thing as well sure i think i mean i i do get it but i just wanted to ask because um no it's a good question as a parent of a teenager i'm in like hypocrisy sniffing mode <laughs> that thing that kind of thing where it is uh, you know, it is true that, like, I think both of us really enjoy a lot of things in pop, pop culture, mm-hmm. and uh, I think embracing that is not bad. But I also do feel like there is a slip that can happen into absorbing the values of the cultural content that we're consuming. Yeah, I think that is really good, and it's one of those things where let me let me think more about it in future sermons and podcasts. It is easier to critique and diagnose other people than oneself. So to use our own kids as an example, one one more swing through this. And I think you and I both, I'm thinking about tells. So, you know, there there may be an increase in, in not for money, not for gambling, but poker playing among certain uh, 
aspects of of our kids growing up saying, hey, this is actually fun to to play card games. The the whole idea about tells where there's certain things that you can do that actually communicate what's going on at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Uh, We do occasionally see tells with our kids where their flags to us about wow they there's some like deeper cultural slash anti-christian formation that they're imbibing when they say this or think this or make this joke or comment about this and so as parents i think we should be properly attuned to the tells and our kids and then be more critical about what they're consuming or what we're allowing them to consume sure i don't know it's tricky. easier said than done i, I do feel like you know yeah, the part of Christian culture that just says shut everything out—that's that's appealing as a parent, and it but it it doesn't feel like it resonates as um, as how authentically Christians should live in the world. But um, but the way that you're talking about is harder. <laughs> it's totally harder, and and as either as followers of Jesus or parents, we've gone through different stages of how we engage with the Christian cliche of Mm -hmm. being in the world, but not of the world. And I'm at a point where, uh, you know, I've, I've swung through phases of for myself or for my church being too in the world. But then I also see that not being in the world is actually impossible anyway. So at the end of the day, being in the world, but not of the world for all of its Christian cliche-ness, I think that's a good goal and we need to keep chipping away at it. Got it. And bar band cover tunes is part of that. That's mm-hmm. where we talk about your references. And, you know, yeah, you do use pop culture and classical do references I? all the time. Tell me more. To, I think that resonates with us because that's we're, we're living in the world. We're enjoying the world. And um, using the vernacular. Yeah. So we're, there's a commonality in us as Americans who are living in the world. And right. You're drawing them out. You, we've discussed um, Joel Embiid already. Mm-hmm. Uh, you threw in Billy Crystal. Did Did you get that reference, I by the didn't, way? Actually, I. I Jack Palance and Billy Crystal. Yeah, not it went over my head. So yeah, Google around Jack Palance Oscars. So he won an the movie was City Slickers, uh, action comedy uh, from late eighties, early nineties, when Jack Palance was given an Oscar for. Best Supporting Actor in that movie, and he was the old cowboy who thought that Billy Crystal and his friends were just total city slickers, and uh, Jack Palance won the day over Billy Crystal and had, had oh man, I'm blanking, it had Bruno Kirby, had Helen Slater. Before there was Emily Lamb, there was Helen Slater. In, in my life for, what is that? For, for, for city slickers so yeah that, that was one of the lower culture references that i just threw in for fans of a low culture, low culture. <laughs> fans of low culture. right give the people what they want yeah yeah um yeah so the other ones i noticed i think we were yeah we already talked about good omens you were saying right. the author of genesis was saying actually what was your reference <laughs> i wrote the reference but i didn't like connect it to what you were actually talking about yeah i think i need more for that one. Oh, but... when the hellhound was oh you were like the hellhound was revealed as a puppy i guess that that's really not a spoiler either no. not the entire time no um but just Come that our monsters are not always what they are yeah our monsters are not always what they mm-hmm. are underneath um 
And yeah, anything else? I uh, had a nice quote from Karl Marx about how money is something that, that, that we worship. That's thanks right, for that. That's right, Marxist. I forgot that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that, Karl. That was, that's the big reveal. Peter Singer. He's uh, the third way. The third way walk Marxism. in worldview. <laughs> <laughs> Marxism. Some would say. Yeah. No, I, okay, I, you're the fourth way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fourth way, fifth column, whatever it is. The Peter Singer is a philosopher at Princeton who observed, and I quoted him in the sermon this Sunday, that social media makes us more tribal. We're going to come back to him next week. Hmm. Uh, he is going to talk about abortion a little bit this sure. the, this coming week. And Peter Singer is pro-choice not only as it relates to children in the womb, but advocates for uh killing babies before they or once they're born so maybe like one or two parents should have the right to terminate the lives of their not unborn but right. born, born wow. children so we'll we'll come back come back to that next week for just a minute and let's see what else we had so if that's like heavier than uh we also had fred ward did you did you hear the what happened I, I, you say that a lot. <laughs> it's from Best in Show. I don't even know what Best in Show is. <laughs> it's a movie. I think you have the wrong co-host. <laughs> I have the right co-host. We should have someone else do the segment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm not either. I'm not even catching your references. That's because okay. I have no idea what you're referencing for like the entirety of our like existence i know you say what happened in that weird way but like i had no idea what the reference was well i'm glad ever. that we have this time to share together what happened <laughs> okay moving on <laughs> okay the silence is me at loss of words hmm. I, I just don't know what else to say <laughs> can we move on that was were those all your references those were all the references okay. guitar slim pickings any leftovers things that you wish you could redo like your shirt choices is there <laughs> jim and eric were both wearing the same outfit again i feel like great minds think alike no and dress alike buddy else that i can think of that accidentally wears the same clothes as much as you and eric it's just like like i'm constantly yeah i, I feel like women are more in tune with that i don't feel like i wear the same thing as people ever Number one, I don't think it happens very often. Number two, it's bound to happen when you have like two white dudes, one middle-aged and one pre-middle-aged that, you know, we're up front in a public gathering on a weekly basis. You know, preppy guys don't have like unlimited clothing options. Like it's, it's really hard for us. <laughs> <laughs> like it's really hard. <laughs> Send these guys some shirts people um, uh, I, struggle I, is it real does happen more than yeah i, I don't know we'll, we'll we'll talk later nothing to see here move along send a closet consultant to both of you um any, anything else that would be awesome that'll be the day it's, it's other... our new staff hire the yeah. wardrobe <laughs> yeah that when liberty calling would totally jump the shark self-image or or a screen all, or of, the all above. of them actually yeah. because I'm sure Jessie would be Pinteresting <laughs> your outfits for you. Totally. If you wanted her to. One real quick guitar slim pickings in addition to the to the wardrobe call. Uh, it's it's not usual that I'll have two Sunday morning additions to the sermon, which 
I try not to do because it lengthens uh, lengthens the length of the sermons. But uh, the Joel Embiid thing at the beginning of the sermon added Sunday morning. Wow. So yeah, it was uh, it that was, was a, like, it was I, a, it was I, just going to be Mark Anthony, yeah. but then I, I thought, thought you started with that as like that was the base of your sermon. No, <laughs> it was it was a throw-in. I was so I was still I was still cogitating over. Joel Embiid hating Ben Simmons and thinking about how awesome Joel is. And I'm like, wait a second. He's saying one thing to say another. <laughs> this will work beautifully. Are you inspired by him? I feel like I feel like there yes. are things we need to tell our children that we should probably like use this. Uh, this is actually like passive aggressiveness. <laughs> What's the difference between being passive aggressive and saying one thing to say another? <laughs> If you're good at it, that's the difference. I should, yeah. Flair. Exercising passive. I've never been particularly good at passive aggression because I like to just be no, it's, openly aggressive. It's just aggression. I'm I'm the passive aggressive partner in this yeah, relationship. So you actually are pretty good at it. That's why you resonate so much with it. I Love don't know. It. Like, yeah. Well, anyway, there's your guitar slim <laughs> Right. What's the yeah, second one? Then that you the, the, the cycle of fragility I added on, on Sunday morning, how there's uh, expression without resilience and then the angrier right. voices are silenced and then get. No, that's definitely. Get that's angrier definitely and doesn't. It doesn't follow through identity construction on what it promises. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's for sure very apparent in uh, <laughs> one of my vices that I uh, that I'm filling my brain with the reality TV spectrum. The like people who are social media influencers and like what can happen. Like they're actually very fragile in in their responses. Totally. To the yeah, so. I'd, I'd say that among social media influencers, we're, we're some of the most resilient. Yeah, because we don't post. <laughs> yeah, touche. Because we're not making money off our social media. Right. Actually, I kind of am, but I still don't. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> She's not talking about this I podcast, people. I should be. Yes, not that. My, my Me and my profession, I probably should be making money from my social media, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's go on to Encore because I think we're Encore. digressing. Um, we did have one note from a listener, um, and I did think it was a it was a good um, call out. Let me just read it from her. Mm-hmm. Joe wrote, "Hey, not sure if this fact check check came out yet. The horrible Tuskegee syphilis study was indeed horrible, but they did not knowingly inject or infect the study participants. They were studying the natural timeline of disease and did withhold treatment even after it was determined that penicillin is a cure. I've heard the mis- this rep- risks represented in other places. I think that myth and detail is part of our current culture and understanding. Peace. I do think that's an important yeah. nuance. I think sometimes, I mean, obviously, like, we're uninformed or there there can be misinformation yeah. about how things play out or the retelling of the story yeah yeah so so i i appreciate the note and did not know that level of detail was in i was going to say in my defense there there's nothing you know if i if i'm wrong about details or bigger things yeah. like like there that that's not that i not something that i need to defend i i do think and this is what's interesting joanna and this email was talking at a level, level of detail about the Tuskegee experiments that honestly I just don't think I knew right and had had 
what I communicated in the sermon about that was, I think, what I had read. Um, right. But then at a larger level, like, it is incumbent upon me to get details like that correct. I think of my dad who, growing up in New Orleans, said, I don't trust the local newspaper because whenever the local newspaper writes a story that I actually know something about, they, sure. they get it wrong, and that makes me not trust right. all the rest of the right. stuff. So I do have a vested interest in not pinging people's radars like this, but I appreciate when I know that I do. Right. I mean, and it's a simplification, but equally, not equally problematic. It would be worse if they were injecting um, individuals yeah. with, with a disease. But I think very present in our society where all of us could help mm-hmm. in any situation, any given situation. When we don't, we're withholding treatment for yeah. other people's issues and problems. And so it's it's still a... Um, an illustration of um, how people people mistreat people. Yep, yep, um, that is true. And part of oops, sorry to cut you off. Part of Christians living a third way walk and worldview TM is being people of nuance and caring about details and not just slogans. So yeah. it is appreciated. Yeah, thanks for the uh, the feedback. Um, anyone else who has feedback, you're welcome to write in at. Mm-hmm. Postsundayblues at gmail.com. What happened? <laughs> uh, yeah, do that. Or or text me or Jim. Um, pester, pester us. Uh, pester the pastor. Just, just talk to us. We'll probably, we could still like reference whatever you want to say in this podcast. We like having feedback, like thinking about, um, thinking about, these concepts and these topics even more than yeah. just ourselves talking. Let's so. keep digging. Yep. Um, thanks, everyone. You have any final words, Jim? Well, if last week was I hate you, Ben Simmons, this week I love you, Joel Embiid. <laughs> and with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching post mortem production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post-Sunday blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Testing, testing, testing. Testing again. Are we on? Yeah. Are we recording? Is it recording well? <laughs> yeah, the, the irony is the file that we just trashed, I actually said and believed that that was our best intro ever. <laughs> <laughs> it can happen again. Yeah. We can do it. It's a metaphor.